0: finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply.
1: Psychology is the most important factor, I, I think, of our finances and um, it, that money psychology begins from when we're really, really little. So one of the exercises we even do with a lot of our members at 111 and our coaches will sit down and talk to them is really going into that first money story. You have that defining moment and those earliest memories. And what we notice is we can really connect the dots between, you know, what happened when you were
0: younger and how you're treating money now, which is, which is super, super interesting. Welcome to everyone's talking money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Raise your hand if you have tried budgeting, you've tried all the apps, and for whatever reason, you've decided that something must be wrong with you because it just doesn't work. Well, my friend, you are so not alone. I too have tried my share of budgeting apps, and I've just gotten frustrated at the process because I know that most traditional budgeting programs and apps, they're missing the golden key that you need to actually be successful they are missing the psychology piece, aka a deeper dive into your thoughts, feelings, habits, beliefs, childhood money stories, and so much more. I like to call it the gunk that actually matters when you're trying to better your money situation. Well, I'm not alone and you're not alone. Our guest, Danny Pasquarella, is a certified financial planner who previously worked on Wall Street, decided she was fed up with traditional budgeting and decided to start a company called 111 and create a budgeting app that focuses on, you guessed it, the psychology of money. So we'll talk about why money is the number one cause of stress, why traditional budgeting is broken and just doesn't work, steps you need to take to ensure you can achieve your money goals, and so much more. Let's start talking we are both certified financial planners and we were saying before we hit record how fun it is to have two certified financial planners kind of, uh, you know, talking out these these money subjects and you and I both know that traditional budgeting, traditional budgeting apps, they just don't work. And there's a lot at play and some really interesting stats that prove that you can't just stick a budget in front of someone's face and expect that that will magically change their money situation. It just doesn't work that way. So I, I wanted to talk about a couple of these stats. So we know that money is the number one cause of stress in America, which just, I think we know this, but this sort of always blows my mind. What do you think about that? Oh, it it blows my mind too. So I'm I'm right there with you. And, you know, what
1: is surprising even more so is that you know it's it's really hard to just do something about it to get rid of that stress. um and 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 you know how few people take initiative to make that happen,
0: yeah. and and another stat that really um, I think brings life to this was that over fifty three percent of adults say thinking about their financial situation makes them anxious. And I know from working with people for many years that it was almost like they couldn't articulate that they were anxious, but that was kind of always there. And that half of, uh, half of Americans don't even invest, even though we know it's the number way, way to build wealth. But we're so kind of just, um, you know, swept up a little bit in that fear and anxiety and stress and just everything that comes along with, with money. And so all of those elements make it really tough to be good at budgeting. So tell me, you know, from, from what you see, what are some of the reasons why traditionally budgeting just doesn't work? It doesn't work for a few reasons. I think the first is it's just really
1: restrictive, right? And it's overly complicated. What we're asking you to do if we look at the traditional method is take every single dollar and assign it to a category. And these categories, you know, may or may not make sense for you. And I I think really just the first thing is it's overcomplicating. We're busy. We don't have a lot of time for, you know. Between our jobs, our families, our relationships, it's really hard to just keep up with and and stick with. And I think that's where it's it really becomes difficult for most people to budget. It's the consistency um, is the first one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then I I often find that most of us, I mean, I'm very guilty of this myself. Think of budgeting as something that feels like a chore, <laughs> and. Somewhere down the, you know, close to like taking out the trash, like it's not something we want to do. And I know from from so many different people, I used to um, teach in a college in Los Angeles. and I would always have this discussion about budgeting and and you would watch people's face. Uh, Just kind of emote this this fear, and when I would ask them, you know, what is it about budgeting that you don't like? It was always like, well, it it, it's something that tells me what I can't do, and I always found that so interesting that it's polarized that much. That instead we couldn't just flip the switch and instead look at it as a mechanism to tell us what we can do. So I know you're the CEO of One (laughs) Eleven, and you've really you've worked to create this this budgeting app that really works with the psychology of money. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about like how we can just kind of flip the script on this. So I I really want to dive deep into here. Tell me a little bit about how does psychology come into play with our finances? Psychology is the most important factor, I, I think, of our finances.
1: And um, it, that money psychology begins from when we're really, really little. So one of the exercises we even do with a lot of our members at 111 and our coaches will sit down and talk to them is really going into that first money story. You have that defining moment and those earliest memories. And what we notice is we can really connect the dots between you know what happened when you were younger and how you're treating money now which is which is super super interesting um yeah so that that psychology it it impacts every single way from how we spend do we save how do we feel about investing it all comes back to mindset
0: do you have any examples that you could share of like how someone's money story then correlates to maybe how they're spending Oh, absolutely. And um, one of the things
1: we see is mirroring parents, which is this is a a really common one. So, um, you know, uh, just, you know, I, for example, um, we I was actually speaking to a member where you know, their parent would totally just splurge whenever they had a bad day and spend, spend, spend. And then they find themselves doing the same thing because that's what you do when you're upset. You go out, you know, you get the ice cream, you go shopping, you do the thing. So, you know, and they, this this member had this kind of aha moment of, wow, I am actually, you know, without even thinking about it or realizing, engaging in a lot of the same patterns that, you know, that I saw growing up. Um, so that that mirroring is there. You also might see the opposite happening where you know we have a lot of members who they might not have grown up in the, you know, the best or most stable financial situations and now they've completely reversed it and they're super savers and you know will really really penny pinch in a way that, you know, it's it's almost overdoing it a bit and they don't need to be that restrictive but they are because of that fear. So, um, you know that's a really good exercise that I encourage anyone to do is just sit back and think what are you know some of those earliest memories with money that you have, um, and you know how is that impacting the way you handle money today? And it's you know it's usually very eye opening.
0: Yeah, I always do this exercise where I have people create a money timeline. So if you think of just a piece of paper where you draw a line down the center of the paper, and above the line is all the good things that have happened to you around money and the things below the line are maybe the things that you don't like, like maybe you got a credit card debt or I don't know, you, you lost your job or your salary got cut or something like that. And um, then it's it's fascinating to kind of compare and contrast and really see visually your story. I think it's, it's really interesting what you're talking about of, of understanding the kind of behind the scenes information. It is and, and
1: that's one of those things we never look at, you know, we never really look at or dive into. It's you know, we learn so many I'm sure you talk about this all the time, but then we learn so many things in school and money just isn't one of those things. So, you know, something that I, I see often is once you get to a certain age, many of us feel like I should know this, I should feel right. have a really good money mindset. I, budgeting I should have all of this under control and then there's this misconception that everybody else knows what they're doing and then now I feel bad <laughs> I feel I feel like I've I've kind of dropped the ball you know in in, in some way so that's that's something that we see often and it's um, you know at the end of the day taking that step back and really diving into your money story it's such a rare thing and just really eye-opening
0: and don't you think it's interesting um, maybe maybe you don't know this but I think it's 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 interesting that we have this element of perfectionism around money that somehow if you aren't following these exact 10 steps or you haven't checked these things off that somehow you are just doing money incorrectly or doing wrong and then it creates even more shame and blame and guilt when it's it's crazy because they call it personal finance for a reason. This is really personal, but I, I'm curious mm-hmm. what, what what you see. Yeah, no. What I I see is exactly what you're saying. I I think because money is so
1: taboo and it's not talked about uh, with friends, with you know, with families, it just you know, it, it. There are a lot of situations where you're just not getting that information. We all head to the internet or online, which is the you know the first place that many of us go. And one of the first things, and this is a story that you know I will have this conversation almost every week, but you know you'll see those articles of. Ten money moves you should make by the time you're 30 or, you know, or here's how much now, you know, here's how much everybody has an investment by this age. And, you know, you'll see or you'll see these these rules and they're really, really rigid. And and if you take a step back and you actually have worked with people and and their money, you know, that personal finance is not one size fits all. And it's all tied to what your goals are. So, you know, depending on what your goals are, the moves that you would make and the actions that you would take might be very, very different um, depending on the outcome you're looking for. And that's something that's not captured, you know, in, you know, in a lot of the kind of clickbaity things we see where for a lot of us, like that's the, that's the most personal finance education we're getting, right?
0: Yeah, why do you think that we don't, uh, particularly in the world of of financial experts, why don't we talk enough about the psychology side of money? Like, why are we missing this piece? It, that's the most shocking
1: thing to me. It's it, it's why it's a big part of why I started my company, and and just kind of I took a look around, and um, you know, and financial literacy is big, right? There, you know, and and the reality is that. We've had podcasts like this, which are amazing. We've had, you know, Google has been around for a long time. You can basically learn anything you want in this day and age, but, you know, the stats in terms of like, you know, emergency fund and, you know, being feeling good about your finances and feeling financially knowledgeable, like they haven't gotten better with the increased access to information. So, um, and the reason why it it is that psychological pieces is missing when we're trying to do really hard things as people, whether that's finances, whether that's getting in shape, whether that, you know, you know, trying to rewire the way our minds just work and be more positive and grateful. Behavior change is really hard. And psychology is the key to really doing anything new, right. And, um, and we've seen a lot of studies in tangential spaces. So if you look at you know, you know, fitness or nutrition, like there's a lot of detail on the psychology piece being so important. Finance is it's kind of been lagging a bit. And I, I think it's it's really, you know, we're it's really focused on the how to. And yes. you know, that's why financial literacy is this really big category. But at the end of the day, that's not why, you know, that's not why money's the number one cause of stress. It's not an access to information problem. It's a, how do I apply this to me and hold myself accountable to actually execute problem? And that's what's missing. Um, and it's, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll have a, a moment and it'll be, you know, a much more popular thing soon. But that is, you know, the key when I look across our whole member base on what turns somebody from a situation they're not feeling great about to something that they're feeling amazing
0: about. It's, it's that mindset and, and that accountability. So walk us through a little bit then if we're starting to understand the psychology of money and and how that plays in, how do we then, uh, I guess maybe the word I'm looking for is correlate that to actually creating behavior changes. Like does does it first start with us having an awareness of our, our our story and maybe roadblocks we might have and and maybe once we do that then how do we get that next piece where we're actually creating change?
1: Yeah, there's there's actually a behavior change curve that I think that I think about and and awareness actually is the first step. You know, if you're not aware that there is and you know a, an issue or something that you want to improve on, um, then you're not. It's not going to be something that's a priority for you to change. Something else is going to capture your attention. So just that awareness. And then that willingness to take action are are the first steps in any financial journey. Um, and then from there, it's, it's it's taking action. So and and really, as part of this, is having a strong vision for what you want and what the what what life looks like after you make all these financial changes. And like you get the budget together and you're saving for your goals and all of those things. And most of us we get so busy in life um, between you know again our jobs and all, all the different distractions that are out there that it's rare to sit back and ask ourselves, you know, what do I want my life to look like um, now and in the future? And then also, what, can I, what role does money play into me having the life that I want for myself? And if you really peel back the layers, money is usually the biggest deciding factor
0: in whether or not you get to live the life you wanna live. Okay, friend, I wanna know, for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm gonna be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not wanna wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete.me. That's why I personally choose Delete.me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web. And in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for delete me now at a special price for my listeners today get 20% off your delete me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com/etm and use promo code etm at checkout the only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com Slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. Joindeleteme dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme dot com slash etm and use code etm for twenty percent off. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters, and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit i've worn it for like five days straight get warm weather ready with quince go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns that's q-u-i-n-c-e.com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash etm yeah it's like the inescapable (laughs) piece of life that uh, we always say on the show that money touches all aspects of life. So we need to talk about all those aspects. And I think if you drive down almost anything at the bottom, there's a money question, or there's, you know, the answer is, well, because of money, Uh, money exists there. And so we need to have these conversations and like understand money from this perspective, so I'm curious in your in your own money story, in your own journey to, to 111, did you go through some changes? I know it's a little bit interesting as a financial expert, a certified financial planner. I talk about this too. I mean, I certainly have had, um, whether we're calling them money mishaps or money mistakes, I mean, I've done plenty of things. I've been in credit card debt. Um, I suffered a very financially de- devastating divorce in my early 30s. And I've had to rebuild a lot of things. And as a money expert, it's been very humbling. And I've also had to untangle a lot of my money story and false beliefs from childhood. So it's just been an interesting journey for me. But tell me a little bit about about your journey and, and how that correlates with you being an expert. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh with with my money journey, I, I think
1: the, the thing I believed growing up and, and just to go back to the beginning. So I had throughout my childhood, this really amazing social mobility story. So um, my mom went from, you know, started out as when she was 16 years old, was completely on her own, worked hourly jobs, you know, to just keep a roof overhead and survive and then wound up becoming an accountant, being very successful and even retired early. And I had a front row seat to that for all of wow. childhood. Um, and so that's where a lot of psychology comes in is just seeing what mindset can do to change your situation and that that is the the most important piece of the playbook. So I was fortunate enough to get to see that. But then from there, and we get to my money mistake is I started to think that money is it it's very, very correlated to happiness in, in all aspects. Mm, and um, right. I think what so and, you know, so. Start, you know, really was focused on chasing that and also being really successful, which I think a lot of people do. They're going after like that status certainty of if I have this much money, then I will be happy. Um, I think it is, you know, very much true to a certain degree. So, you know, if your basic needs are being are not being met, um, which is, you know, a very real situation, you know, for, for many people. Then absolutely, making more money and giving you that security is—it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? That's going to have a profound impact on your life. But beyond that, it's you know, it's a kind of mix. And I would say it's not so much what I've learned is it's not so much about how much you're making, but what you're doing with that money beyond a certain point. And and my example I can give you is, you know, I worked on Wall Street earlier in my career, so you know, in my in my twenties, I was making more money than I ever could have dreamed of. I had all the things and you know, went to the Hamptons for the summer and you know, bought all the, the, clo- you know, the, the designer clothes and, and, and whatnot. Um, and so I had a lot of money, but the reality is like, I wasn't anywhere near as happy as I am now. And my spend now as you know, somebody who runs a business, it's, it's voluntarily like less than half what I was spending when I was on Wall Street, but I'm happier. And I think the reason why what I've learned is if you look at just through myself and through, you know, 111, is that if you look at the things that make people like truly happy, they tend to fall under four buckets from from what we see at 111. Like the first is your relationships. Second is just having something you're really passionate about, whether it's a job or a pastime that you can really focus on. Thirdly, is helping others. And fourth is just like kind of your self talk and, and self love. I, I give that the fourth bucket. So, yeah. what I, yeah, so those are things that make people happy, but like you can, you can, money can help you do more of those. But what we find is the more successful people are, and if you're in that kind of rat race of chasing money, we tend to use money as band aids for, you know, for. I'm really stressed yes. and, you know, now I need some instant gratification and a feeling of control. So <laughs> let me go um, spend, let me, let, let me go spend. And that's, you know, that, so that's something that we, you know, we see often is um, a lot of people will put themselves in situations that, you know, might not be the most conducive to who they are as a person. And I very much did this with some of my jobs earlier in my career and you're making the money and you're like, why, you know, why am I not just like super happy yeah. all the time?
0: What's but, wrong with me? Yeah, what's wrong with me. And it's like,
1: oh, okay, well, well, Danny, like, you get you get joy out of seeing your friends. And guess what, you haven't seen them because you're always at work. Um, <laughs> you know, you like what you do. But like, you're actually a really creative person that values harmony. And like, that is not this environment, even though there are a lot of elements you like your ideal situation is something a bit different. Um, and then the helping others too. It's like, so you know, a lot of times we put ourselves in situations where and I, I've done this, you know, Well, not so much now, but I did this a lot earlier in life where you think that status certainty and that money and like those things are going to make you happy, but then actually making less, but doing or even the same, but, you know, spending that money or utilizing it intentionally to either A, do more of the things that those four buckets that make you happy or B, remove the things that are making your life bad, like that money stress, that number one cause of stress that we just talked about. Um, and remove those, then you're going to be much happier. But I I think many of us, and just especially with the way society is, we, we chase the dollar. And we don't think about what is this dollar doing for me and for my life and
0: for my happiness. So I'm curious, going from from Wall Street to now CEO of 111, like what was the light bulb moment when you were like, okay, I need to focus on the psychology of money like this, this is the piece that everyone needs to know about.
1: Yeah. So the light bulb moment for me, uh, so I was like, a, I was a token friend in finance, right? I had a lot of friends. We all graduated <laughs> and me. On the yeah, same both, you yes. too. So yeah, I'm sure I'm like, I oh, know you can relate to this. So yeah, so when all of my friends were, you know, they were recent grads, they're struggling to figure out like budget, I have credit card debt, what am I doing? This is stressful. And, you know, they would say, hey, can you help me? So I would sit down, I'd help them. We would be off to a fantastic start. We'd probably get a coffee or a lunch or something. And then, um, you know, they'd be on their way. And then I would talk to them later. They, you know, nothing would have really changed. They would just be like, oh, well, that was a great session. I left and I felt so motivated. And I maybe I did a thing or two, but then I stopped. Um, And, you know, at the same time, I also had more friends and their friends coming to me for this kind of, you know, session or overhaul to come up with a plan. And, you know, it wasn't scalable. I was working, you know, crazy hours at the time. So I started trying to refer people to like different, you know, web, here's a book that's really great. And again, it's like the same problem kept happening where people wanted to change. And it was, you know, it was something that they wanted to. They were sitting down to take the time to sit down with me and do it. But the execution long-term, just like, it was not happening. So for me, it was that light bulb moment of like, okay, the thing that everybody needs and they don't have, it's really the psychology. It's, It's like being able to, this is a behavior hacking exercise much more than you know uh do you have the right information exercise um so wound up you know really just leaving wall street to to start this company and focus on let me find all of the barriers that are pre- preventing individuals from you know reaching their financial and, and life potential and how can i just completely remove them and so part of that is it's like, you know it's all psychology but there are different factors that's like time is a big one. Like accountability is another right. big one. It's, um, you know, just self-talk feeling like, Oh, I, I can't do this. Or I, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough to, to be wealthy or whatever the, the mental kind of things we tell ourselves are, but there are all these little subsets within psychology of like reasons why the the behavior change or the, the good habits aren't formed. And like, how do, and you know, how do we, develop a an app and a coaching program where we can eliminate all of these things
0: so walk me through a little bit of of how the process with your app at 111 like how does this work differently than other budgeting apps like how would we How would we feel or experience the difference? Yeah, so the first thing
1: is a coach is leading every step of the way So you get your own dedicated wealth coach who's going to be with you step-by-step step throughout everything. And this is important. And I can tell you another story of where I, my budgeting app experience, I had yes.
0: one.
1: I, ha- I was using, and this is the time, Mint.com was a big one around this time. So I was using it. I'm great. I'm doing amazing. I've been my, you know, making Wall Street dollars. And then I went to a friend's bachelor party in Las Vegas. I spent <laughs> way too much money and I did not open that Mint app for like two months <laughs> <laughs> because, I believe it's believe a
0: very true story yes
1: <laughs> yeah because I'm like it's just gonna yell at me it's gonna tell yeah, me you right? shouldn't have gone shopping you should not have you know you should not have like bought any of the things that you bought I went way over it was my first time like really like on a girl's trip and like traveling I went way overboard and I'm like I, I just I don't even want to look at this app because it's just gonna yell at me and it's just gonna I'm gonna see the red numbers and I'm gonna feel bad and then we're gonna you know You know, tell ourselves all the reasons why we shouldn't have done what we've done. Whereas, with if you put a coach there to, you know, to really turn the, you did something you shouldn't have done, but let's be constructive about it and use this for the future and and recognize patterns and and you know let's keep checking in that app and turn this around. um, Then it's a very different experience because you have that support. Um, You have somebody to help you manage that setback to knock out the shame that's preventing us from, you know, picking back up and having those behaviors. So the coach is just it's so fundamental and the accountability of, hey, I know you don't want to look at the app, but you need to look at the you know, you need to look at it and see what's going on. So um, having that accountability is like, the I'd say, the biggest game changer. And that coach is also trained in psychology. So they're going to help you to understand, like, what your why is. That's another thing too, is everything centered around the why. So without a really powerful and compelling, like, why are you doing this? And you know, what is all this work for? It's so easy to drop off. Like, that's why I think you'll see a lot of people, like they'll take those first steps towards, I've downloaded the app or done the thing, but you know, it's there are a million distractions. Like that's the world we live in now. There are a million other ways to spend your time. So you know, why is this the thing that you're going to do, especially, and I'm thinking back to your really just great example of people's faces will cringe when they see budget. It's just like, oh, why? Um, So why is that thing that you're so hesitant to to do going to become the thing that you're going to spend time on? You have to learn to enjoy the process and to ultimately believe that the process is going to get you to where you want to be. So that's a, a big, everything centers around that we do that. That why? Um, and then from there, let's then go execute and let's build the life that you want to build for yourself. And whether that's knocking out stress, whether that's, you know, being able to afford something exciting, like a big trip or, you know, early retirement or, you know, whatever you want to do, let's paint that picture and let's get you there. And then we also have all the tools to support a coach. So like we have our version of budgeting, which is, you know, very different than a a traditional budgeting app. Um, and I can, I can talk about that, but we have, budgeting, we have educational videos, we have a purchase rating mechanism, so financial plans. So it's essentially everything that you need to be successful with money in one app with a coach and on your schedule. So you can text with your coach and it's it's meant to really be integrated into the life of somebody who's just knows money is important, knows they need to get a handle on it and it doesn't get easier if you wait. But also I'm busy and help me do this in a way that's
0: beautiful stories all told from start to finish and you can even do a real book club tune into the daily book club discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners however you want to listen it's your choice subscribe to the daily book club on spotify apple podcasts and everywhere else new episodes every single day so sit back relax and get lost in the daily book club Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right, daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads— The Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting, from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines. Host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I think what you're talking about is really important because you can really feel like you're on an island just sort of floating out there by yourself in the budgeting process when you're left to do this by yourself. And then if you have any which most of us do have negative emotions or fear anxiety stress trauma anything around money like you said one tiny little blip and we will we'll feel like the app is yelling at us or told us that we did something wrong and then we'll step back into that shame piece and for most of it's like well this doesn't work so i'm just not ever gonna do this you know and Mm -hmm. then comes the thought of like well why am i not able to pay off my debt or buy a house or whatever it is, fill in the blank with whatever it is. And it's just, it's it's like we need a few more building blocks <laughs> to, uh you know, to help us along. And I really think having somebody that's accountable to you that is not going to yell at you and tell you you've done something terrible is really an important piece to just helping our brains kind of switch the way we think about money and approach it more like what you're talking about in, well, well let's be mm-hmm. proactive. Well, let's take those steps to, to use our money to create the life we want to live. And I think that has definitely been void in, in just traditional budgeting altogether. You know, yeah. most of us, it's like a spreadsheet, you know, with numbers on. And so it's just instantly horrifying. So I love that you incorporate a support system there for people. Uh, Thank you. And I also love that you just mentioned the perfectionism
1: thing, because that is to me, if we go back to your earlier question of like, what's wrong with budgeting apps? It's the expectation of perfection. They all kind of set you up for that, right? Like it's, I think when we talk to our members at 111, and they do their first path at a budget, at a budget, like we know from the coaching side, it's less than a 1% chance you get this right and feel great about it on the first try. Like it is that, it's that slim, especially if it's someone new to budgeting. But I think the way that a lot of applications and even like just, you know, wisdom of, of budgeting that's passed, been passed on for generations, right? It's the expectation is like, you got to get it perfect. Um, like, or else, yeah, or certain. else it yells at you, right? And and right. the reality, yeah, the reality is it's, change is hard it's messy success is not linear and go into it budgeting or anything else knowing that you're probably going to screw this up a few times like that <laughs> and that's it, okay like, and that's and that's okay actually actually I would go a step further and say expect to mess this up a few times because like it's inevitable that's 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 how change and and you know self-improvement works
0: So kind of thinking about this time of year we're in, we're getting close to the holidays again, kind of the end of the year. I know that this is the time where everyone's uh, wallet gets really stressed, buying Mm -hmm. gifts and just everything that we wanna do kind of coming up. And I know a lot of times, uh, this time of year can bring on a lot of a lot of stress for people. Uh, we just had the announcement about student loan forgiveness. Uh, for a lot of people it's going to help a lot of people. But from from your perspective, I'm curious, just for everyone listening, are there any um, money steps or things we should be thinking about with our money as we're budgeting kind of approaching this last half of the year?
1: Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. I think this year, just know that it's going to be harder with all the inflation that's been happening. I, I think that's uh, it's, we're all very aware of it, but just be kinder to yourselves as you're going into it. is It's just a big piece of advice. Inflation's not forever, but it is right now, so we have to to kind of deal with it. Um, starting to save, or, you know, early. I think a good exercise. I know budgets tend to be month to month, but something that's really helpful for our members at 111 is like we'll actually go through and pinpoint what are the times of year when you have these higher expenses and like it might be something like the holidays It also if you're around the age where friends are getting married it might be just wedding season you know you're gonna spend way more money than uh, than you will in other months because you have a lot of friends who are you know inviting you to weddings and, and those are you know high cost so understanding when those moments are and just really saving in advance and building in like kind of a monthly contribution to that throughout the year. So that when it comes time for, you know, the holidays or whatever those high spend months are, you actually have a, you know, a, a bit of cushion to, to tide you over. And, and then not freaking out about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so just like build that savings in. And, you know, to that point, I think that one of the most underestimated things, and I know we've talked a lot about budgeting, it budgeting, it is that emergency fund or that savings. Like when we talk about money being the number one cause of stress, if I look at and we have a lot of great data at 111, but if we look at what's stressing people out, it, there's a few buckets that constantly come up. So, and one of those is just like not having an emergency fund and kind of I, I I'm like one step away from you know credit card debt or more credit card debt at at any moment. Um, that's a that tends to be a really big one, just you know, kind of living life on the edge. So the sooner you can start to build that, and you can just even start taking that step today. Um, once you have it, you pretty much have it, right? Like you might dip into it for different things. But once you start on that path of gradually saving each paycheck for it, it might take you even a couple years to get there. But the reality is our careers are decades long, we're gonna have to pay for ourselves for many, many decades. So that's one thing that, you know, I encourage just like do it today, do it. Yesterday is the best day. Today is the second <laughs> best day to do it. Right. Um, do that. And like, that will, if there's one move you can make that's going to reduce your stress a ton, it's that, or it's, um, it's that, or it's actually having a financial like a plan, like a game plan goals and just knowing where, where you're headed over time. Um, so I think those two things are two big stress reducers. Um, that can that can really help and that way when stressful times of the year come up you feel like you prepared in advance you're ready to go and you you know you're it's not stressful because you you know you did the work
0: we've talked about so much i love uh really diving into the psychology of money again it's it's my sweet spot i know it's your sweet spot too so just as we kind of wrap up i if, if for anyone listening you know if you could just wave a magic wand and leave us all with some sort of reminder, like something to keep top of mind for today as we're listening to this conversation about the psychology of money and um, you know, how it how it is at play in our money success. What would you want us to remember?
1: That's a great question.
0: I think I would say
1: that every dollar that you earn and spend should get you closer to the person you want to be. And if you look at all your spending and that's not happening then, you know, well worth the time to kind of, you know, rework that a bit.
0: Danny shared some amazing exercises in this episode to get you started thinking about how you think, act, and feel about money. So if you've never taken the time to write out your money story, I suggest grab a piece of paper, your favorite beverage, and just sit down and like write it all out. It's so powerful to see how those false money beliefs, like the stuff from your childhood, money mistakes, and so much more. How they're just getting in the way of your success. See, budgeting isn't that painful when we do it right from the start. Hopefully, Danny, she encouraged you to give budgeting maybe one more try, even even a half of a try. Trust me, you will thank yourself. You can head to one eleven. That's one o n e e l e v e n dot co, or head to the Apple Store or Google Play to download their budgeting app and get started. If you are super jazzed about this new way of thinking about budgeting, do me a favor and share this episode with friends, family members, and as always, you can head to the episode notes to find all the links to our episode guests, as well as the amazing sponsors that make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode.